Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Gentlemen, what are the four pillars? Tradition, honor, discipline, excellence. Manners up. Welton Academy for Boys, a breeding ground for the future leaders of America. An institution dedicated to achievement, virtue, and conformity. A school whose rigid standards are upheld by every single teacher. Except one. Come on, Mr. Overstreet, you twerp. Mr. Anderson, are you a man or an amoeba? Language was developed for one endeavor, and that is... To communicate. No! To woo women. Mr. Keating. Some people like to rock, some people like to roll, but moving in a groove is gonna satisfy my soul and have a party. Touchstone Pictures presents Robin Williams as John Keating, teacher. Well, is this a dagger I see before me? Philosopher. I like Byron, I give him a 42, but I can't dance to it. Orator. Oh, Titus. Bring your friend hither. And founder of the Dead Poet Society. A bunch of guys sitting around reading poetry. No. Ding. Thank you for playing anyway. What was the Dead Poets Society? The Dead Poets were dedicated to sucking the marrow out of life. Welcome to Rewatchability, the podcast where we rewatch old movies and see if they hold up today. I'm Robert Laronde, president of this society for today. <laughs> With me, as always, is Nawanda. My oh, name. That is offensive. <laughs> right out the gate, rewatchability <laughs> offensive this week. My name is Blaine. And what movie are we doing this week, Rob? Well, we're doing a uh, very big movie. We're still in the back-to-school theme. Last week, we yeah. talked about disturbing behavior. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to talk about a different sort of school. Right. Uh, <laughs> One in the, in the fictional 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> The fictional 1950s? Yeah, well, it's like not, it's, it's like kind of, it's fiction, but it's kind of autobiographical. Right. You know? Yeah. I would argue that the 1950s was a real place in time. <laughs> in time. Good yeah. save. Good save yeah. on that. But it's the Dead Poets Society, which is the 1989 movie directed by Peter Weir. Yeah. Uh, I know you're a big fan because he also directed The Truman Show. I love Peter Weir. And you keep on asking to do The Truman Show, begging, begging, <laughs> and we keep putting it off because the viewers of your life wouldn't enjoy that. Okay. I didn't know that was the reason. <laughs> I keep on saying it into cameras at home, into the mirror. <laughs> Let's do The Truman Show. <laughs> well, we just have to keep deflecting because that's what we're paid to do as actors. <laughs> but I'm glad we're doing this movie. Yeah. This movie is one of my faves. One of your favorite. I mean, this seems like such a bland movie. <laughs> No offense, Blaine, but a little offense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. Well, you said it, so... But before we get into that, we should, first of all, thank our Patreon subscribers. Those are the folks who give us one, three, five dollars, any amount of money, and that helps us keep the podcast going, helps us grow, it helps us send our kids to private school. Yeah, and in return, they get kind of the podcast early at a certain level, uh, classic episodes that we curate for them at a certain level. And bonus episodes, just like the one that dropped last week for Desperate. Desperado. Yeah. So if you want all that content, you have to go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and pledge us some money. Yeah. You Just know. a little bit of money. Yeah. A little bit a month. You know, like a coffee a month almost. That's such a cliche. Yeah. But also... But some people drink coffee. Yeah. Go for like a beer, like an expensive craft beer a month. Okay. Sure. Sure. Like, Don't forget the tip. One lift drive a month. Yeah. You know, down one block. Yeah. Save me from doing it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't have my license. Then that's why you work for Lyft, right? And not for Uber. (laughs) But today we're talking about the Dead Poets Society, Mm. 
which is not a movie about when Byron and Keats rise from the grave to take revenge upon people who have misinterpreted their poems. Pride, pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Are, yeah. That's probably where they got the idea. Yeah, exactly. Dead Poet Society. But this is a Dead Poet Society. Blaine, when was the first time that you saw this film? I saw this movie in every drama class I've ever taken and every English class I've ever taken in high really? school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, it's like one of those, it's it's a teacher-centric yeah. movie. Teachers love showing teacher-centric movies. Stand and Deliver, oh, man. Mr. Holland's Opus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dangerous Minds. They don't like that one so much. <laughs> Oh, no, uh, they do. Yeah. I was thinking The Substitute. Oh, The Substitute. Yeah. Oh, man. I remember that movie. That one's intense. Yeah. Oh, God. But this isn't that movie. This no. is kind of like a lovely, warm-hearted movie. And it's, you know, the teacher is Robin Williams, and I think every drama teacher kind of wanted to be Robin Williams a little bit. Well, yeah, those who can't. Wait, those who can't <laughs> act and those who can't act like Robin those Williams in a drama can't. class. <laughs> those who just can't. They just yeah, can't. They just can't. And I remember I had a drama teacher that was very big. Unorthodox? Uh, well, kind of, yeah. He was like, he could have been Robin Williams or he could have been like a really great teacher, but he held himself back a lot. And I feel like I'm giving him a report card right now, which is oh kind God. of fun. I'm like, oh, you could have been a good teacher, but like you got to see you were holding yourself back. He probably never came out of his shell because he never had a group of friends in a society. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He could have joined any society. He could have joined the, the Midnight Society. Yeah. Are you afraid of the dark? Were you a part of any societies? No. 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 <laughs> I'm more Groucho Marx on that front. Right. Than, yeah. Right. But so I, I loved this movie from seeing it in, in class a bunch, seeing it my own. And... I love Robin Williams. I think Robin Williams is just... What a controversial opinion. (laughs) Some people, before his death, I think, were like, he's too much. It's like like people are about Jim Carrey now, where they're like, he's just too big. He's too much. I can't take him. He's, He's like oppressive with his comedy. He just has to make me laugh, and I hate that. Well, I think the problem with Robin Williams was more like... He was really funny and anarchic and crazy. And then he sort of focused really hard on serious, sort of heartwarming, sort of sad, melancholy movies. And like... See, this is the Jim Carrey story too, right? Where he like, he kind of veered off into trying to be a serious actor. And people either loved that or hated that. Yeah, but there's something about Robin Williams' dramatic performances, which are kind of maudlin. Like, they're all inspirational, right? Pretty much. Until you get yeah. to, like, your one-hour photos and your insomnia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. those that are was a less, whole different bridge. Those are less inspirational, for sure. Yeah, but, like, Patch Adams. Yeah, even The Fisher King is very inspirational. His, even uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, kind of, if you ignore all the terrible parts. <laughs> yeah, the transphobia and the creepiness, yeah. Yeah, but he, sure. he did really seem to, like, you know, like, really care about, about inspiring people, I guess. And that's one of the reasons why he did this movie, apparently. Yeah, well, I I can totally see that because it's it feels like it could not have been done by anyone else in this role. Like it just feels like so him. It's someone who it feels like a restrained performance by Robin Williams yeah. in this role. Like I know that he was improving on set all the time, but Peter Weir really reined him in and was like, "No, we're going to really focus in on on who this character is." So I love it. Uh, there's, there's those poster sales in university. They have those poster sales. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got I got one of Robin Williams standing on his desk. Wow, uh, a little a little a little you know, picture. Uh, Wait, I think I've seen that. Do you still have it? I used to have it. Yeah, it was when I lived on Saint Clair. That's when. Right. I, um, yeah. So and the frame broke, and I was like, ah, I don't need inspiration anymore. I'm already beat down. You know, <laughs> I, I'm I'm through with my, no. You were right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and watching it this time, I, I was still flooded with. Well, I'll get into it later on in the podcast. But I really loved this movie when I was a kid, and I hated that teachers really sh- like crammed it into students' faces. They were like, you right. have to watch this and love it, because I do, because I think it ruined it for a lot of people. And also be inspired by me. Right. Carpe diem. <laughs> yeah, all right. My teacher made me rip out the first page of my textbook. We just had to buy a new textbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a math textbook. I needed those pages. <laughs> I can't even buy things with cash at the grocery store. <laughs> I can't make change. Thank God for Apple Watch. Let's me be stupid. When did you first see this movie, Rob? Sort of unlike you, I did not see this in every English and drama class that I had been in. Which is strange because I took a lot of English and drama classes, and I don't think I actually saw this movie until I was in university. In a film class, the film teacher showed it to you and was like, be inspired. 
No? No, I okay. had a more self-directed learning path. Oh. When we had the, the sound and moving images library at... Uh, You're going Goodwill Hunting on it instead of Dead Poets Society. <laughs> yeah, I that's see. Right. Yeah. I just hung out in the back of the film class and right. worked out their film problems. <laughs> <laughs> just like cutting film in the back with your like <laughs> supplies. Yeah, I wish I could make like a, a classy film joke in a Boston accent. Right, yeah, like how do you like them apples? But it's for... like Citizen Kane. <laughs> Hey, like them rosebuds. <laughs> that's that's all right. All right. I'll yeah? take it. Huh? I'll t- hey, I tied it together. Yeah, it's improv. So, you know, it doesn't have to be like stand-up quality. So I finally <laughs> saw this, I think, when I was sort of going through Robin Williams' like catalog because yeah. he was a great performer. And I, I liked when he started doing like the darker stuff. So I went back and went through a lot of his earlier movies and some of the stuff that like he appeared in in the 70s and stuff like that. Right. And I liked it, but I think it was – like, I was already past the point. I'd already drank the Kool-Aid on drama in English, so it was right. just sort of reaffirming those values. I was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> Let that kid be an actor. <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone that watches Fox News, they just get their own worldview, like, pointed back at them. Like, yeah. that was, this is your Fox News. This is like, yeah. this is like, oh, I can be a drama kid. I am a drama kid. Yeah. Yeah, of course, after four years of theater school, I was in Kurtward Smith's corner. <laughs> You did the right thing, Dad. <laughs> Be a doctor, son. Thanks, Fred. Thanks. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> yeah, so it was like not a huge movie for me, but I, I, you know, I did like it and I did like appreciate the sort of like way that it sort of affected pop culture because it was a big movie. Yeah. And like the Carpe Diem thing became a big oh, thing. Yeah. And in fact, on the bus yesterday, I literally heard somebody say, Oh, Captain, my Captain, when they answered their phone. Really? Yeah. Well, I was. That person is in a cult. <laughs> that person is in the weirdest cult. I was literally going home to watch this movie. Like, That's I thought so I hallucinated weird. it. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is that, that big because it's been in the, mocked in the Simpsons. I mean, it's one of those things that's yeah. been like parodied ad nauseum, right? Like, Community did a whole episode where they had like an inspiring teacher that was very, very funny. You need to seize the day, Jeff. Seize the day. And I think that even in my, like, the, the sketches that I've, I've done in my past, we, we did like a lot of callbacks to this because it was one of those things that you could, everyone knows a line from. Right. Because everyone's seen it. But not in their English class, apparently. I thought everyone had seen it. Yeah. One one sad teacher just we being like, English. love me, please. Please respect me like these kids respect Keating, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what their cry was in the middle. And we did not. Uh, no, 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 no. We drew awful pictures and passed them to each other in classes and stuff. Really? No, I don't that's know. That's really sure. <laughs> yeah. It was a high school. <laughs> what do you want from me? Jeez. So do you want to run down the plot of this movie? I think most people have seen it, but... Uh, we should, yeah, we should get into it. So there's these dead poets. No, well, I don't no. know if that's the way it begins. It's, it's like Beetlejuice, but for poets. Well, it starts with bagpipes. Mm. It, they're sort of we see all these people <laughs> filing into this, and chapel. that's when most of the people turn this movie off, <laughs> right? Like just at the beginning. Nope. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Which is bagpipes are an important cultural symbol. Sure. No. <laughs> what are you defending Weird Al now? <laughs> Weird Al doesn't play the bagpipes. He plays the accordion. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Ugh. But so it's the beginning of the school year at this uh, illustrious private academy. And the dean or whatever is giving this big speech. Helton Hall, right? Yeah. Helton something? Yeah. And folks, these are the most <laughs> white faces folks. with horned gra- glasses <laughs> That you will ever see in one place. I like I like how to, to preface how white these people are, you became the whitest person in Ontario. You were just like, folks, friends, folks. You became Doug Ford for one second just to just to say this. Well he's in this movie. <laughs> I'll get to it later. Okay. But it's one of those places. Like we don't need to tell you what this place is white is white. <laughs> what this place is like. Yeah. It is all like upper class white boys and it's all boys and they like all look fucking exactly the same. They're all like very skinny. It's the same haircut. Same it's haircut. Crazy. And there's like talk later in the movie, like this kid is like, Oh, I'm not rich like this kid. I was like, You're in this prestigious academy that like that you need to pay to get in. You must be like well off. Yeah. At the very least. 
Well, I guess rich people are still like I'm richer than that rich person. I, th- I guess there's still like yeah. levels of richness. Like I think that probably those private schools have some sort of scholarship program established by people so that they feel better about themselves. Maybe, but like, in the fifties, if, if we in help like a poor 50s? kid, <laughs> okay. one poor kid, yeah, then we're going to heaven. Yeah, yeah, okay. Or there could be other outside circumstances, you know, like we don't, you know. We don't know Helton's finances, you know. We yeah. don't, we haven't. No. We haven't seen their actuary, actuarial tables. No, that know. wasn't on the special edition of the DVD. <laughs> it's on the back. <laughs> <laughs> you get a nice booklet with it. These are just fucking lines of numbers. Why are we? All right. <laughs> the halting curriculum. Yeah, exactly. I love this big Lebowski thing I got. I got a little carpet and a mug and the, uh, the green toe. What'd you get in here? <laughs> Dead Poet Society I got one. homework. <laughs> I got a gun with one bullet in it. Yeah, don't. Don't return that DVD, oh man. God, that was bleak. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So there's all these kids. I think they're a younger class, but there's a new kid joining them who is Ethan Hawke. Mm. And uh, he sort of gets put in the room with this guy named Neil, who yeah. is one of the better students at this academy, we're told. And he's like an extrovert, and Ethan Hawke's the introvert here. Yeah. yeah. Ethan Hawke's like really shy, and he, you know, he, he, but his friend or his new roommate does seem to like sort of go out of the way to make him feel welcome, even though he sort of ribs him a little bit yeah. while introducing him to the other boys. Hey, I hear we're going to be roommates. I'm Neil Perry. I'm Todd Anderson. Why'd you leave Ballincrest? My brother went here. Oh, so you're that Henderson. Hey, how's it going, Neil? Hey, Neil. Study group tonight? Yeah, sure. Business as usual, huh? Hey, I heard you got the new kid. Looks like a stiff. <laughs> Oops. Listen, don't mind Cameron. He's a bore with his foot in his mouth. You know what I mean? And there are a whole bunch of other kids at this school, too, and they all have, like, awful names like Pitts and Meeks. <laughs> yeah, which Robin Williams makes fun of. Yeah, Good well, he has was- to make fun of them. That's how they were written. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. But I kind of I liked that because it was, I don't know, I think in a lot of movies about high school and about like even university where someone has a roommate, it's always just like they're at loggerheads right away. Yeah. And I liked that these guys were complete opposites, but they were trying to help each other out at the mm-hmm. same time. I liked that. I thought it was that part was well written. Did you ha- ever have a roommate? No. Not no. like an assigned one? No, I didn't. I lived off campus. Wow. So I never had a roommate, but I... So you never got to bond the way that these boys did with other men. <laughs> other boys. They, they, you're, you're trying to lead me into a trap here. This feels like a trap. No, I never got to bond in my university tenure. Did you ever have a roommate in university? Did you ever... Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. How was that? Did you hate each other? We did not speak. <laughs> <laughs> were you that? Were you like the, the extrovert and he was the introvert? What was it? Paint a picture of this. Who was it? It was a guy, obviously. Yeah, they that's right. We didn't have the co-ed. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, we. His name was Jamie. I think I was the introvert. He had okay. a lot of like friends and buds. Okay. Was he like a more sporty guy? Or he was sporty, and he had like you know like when those young people have like those curly hair, like curly froish okay. hair. Not yeah, quite yeah. a fro, but like. Right. You know. But I had a girlfriend, so I just spent all my time with her. Did she have like her own room? Yeah. Oh, so nice. That's why I didn't make any friends in university. <laughs> you were doing better things. It's fine. Yeah. The predicament these boys are in in this movie is that they're high school boys, and they only ever see other boys, which is great if, like, maybe you're, like, a young gay man, but if you're a, a young straight man, this is, like, hell. Blaine. That's what they call it, Helton. Blaine, there were no young gay men <laughs> in the 1950s. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there were, were future confirmed bachelors. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, what an oppressive, horrible time. But this movie doesn't like. There's, I mean, if any of the characters in this are gay, they're not aware of it, or they're not telling anybody. There's certain like nods to it here and there with with some characters that we'll get into. But so they're starting all their classes. And it's a sort of old style of education. A lot of repetition. A lot of you know listening to teachers drone on about all the different ways to conjugate latin verbs oh god yeah it was all like learning by rote like you just memorize things yeah suck us my dick <laughs> that's latin for yes i will learn teacher yeah that's i didn't know that yeah that's, uh... <laughs> well you know if you paid attention in school 
But there is a, in fact, a new teacher mm-hmm. at this academy, and he is a he's a graduate, as they tell us in the beginning. Not the graduate. No, it's not no. Dustin Hoffman. Though it no. was actually originally supposed to be starring Dustin Hoffman and directed by Dustin Hoffman. Oh, really? Yeah, that would have been a completely different movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I don't think it would have been. Uh, maybe. I sort maybe of they think they talked about plastics more or something. <laughs> not funny. Robin Williams is basically playing Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> No, 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 he's playing Dustin Hoffman trying to be funny. Yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's yeah. not funny, Robin Williams. Yeah, okay, okay, sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. But they go into his class, and he's a little bit unorthodox. <laughs> it's not disturbing behavior. It's just it's it's interesting behavior. Because like instead of like just teaching kids about a bunch of poetry, first lesson, he's telling kids to seize a day. Right. Which I mean, you know. You should ask for permission first. <laughs> yeah, seizing. Bad no, 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 no. It's not a good place to go. No, no. Don't like, seize things. Maybe maybe start them off gently. Like, you know, first ask how the day is doing, how mm. its day is going. Right. Right. Ask it if you would like treat to go for seizing coffee. with respect. That's what Netflix is in, is in hot water right now because they, they don't treat seizing with respect. What? <laughs> yeah, no, because uh, because they just had they just released that movie that's about this guy that that has seizures and and they treat it like a funny thing and they're like, oh, oh you shouldn't do that. Anyway, that's a that's a long that's a long leap for a weird segue. Yeah, but is it like one of those things where the creator had seizures and they're writing about it in their way and we should lay off them? I don't know. I just read the headline because there's and that then vilified them. There's that fat shaming show called um i'm skinny now i think jesus no. christ <laughs> but it's essentially like you know somebody's story which well maybe not presented in the best or whatever way i mean it's their story and you can't fault them for not having the self-awareness to mm-hmm. present it in a way which affirms everybody's identity right you know yeah well that's it's hard to please everyone for sure but yeah. we also need to be like aware that's why of we everyone. have netflix algorithms <laughs> They're supposed to work. So so people don't get shown things that upset them. Yeah. Sure, sure. When uh, do you think Netflix algorithms are going to be like, you like white boys, poetry, caves. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> you, your only movie to watch is Dead Poet Society. Well, well there's another one, but it ain't <laughs> It ain't on Netflix. Yeah, no. I think Kiss the Girls is that one. Or Long Came a Spider. Which one was was that? Where they tried? Anyway, the thing with this, though, is that it is kind of a true story, too. It's, it's someone telling their story from their perspective. Yeah. The writer of this. It was his first movie that sold, his first screenplay that sold. Yeah. And he wrote it about kind of two teachers that he loved in high school school they kind yeah. of helped him through high school so yeah that's uh, kind of nice isn't it yeah i think that's very that's very lovely did you have an inspirational teacher like yeah. somebody who like took you while you were just a shy boy and told you that you could do anything blaine if you if you keep working hard you could have a podcast <laughs> someday you could have a podcast <laughs> as soon as those are invented yeah i did i had like a a, a grade two and three teacher because our school is pretty small mm-hmm. named uh rosalie sterling and uh she was the nicest person and the most loving person and she knew that i was into astronomy so much that uh, she would rip uh, articles out of like the magazines she, she got at home for, for astronomy and give them to me she like Helped my mom pick up binoculars so I could like stargaze because I thought I needed a telescope, but she was like, "No, you just need binoculars." And then she also ordered through her classroom subscription some like I really like these blocks in class, and she ordered them for me for, for my birthday. And my mom helped, and it was like this joint birthday present. She wow. was really, really inspirational and really, really great. So that's uh, awesome. Yeah, she was a great. She was a great teacher. What, what about you? Did you have a teacher? Nope. <laughs> No, actually, when I, you know, when I was hearing nah, your story, I did it all myself. I flashed back to my own grade three experience where I had like a really mean teacher. Oh, and like, fuck them. I don't, I don't know if you know about this, but sometimes I can act out. <laughs> no, you weren't the class clown, Rob. This is horrible to sometimes, learn. Sometimes, sometimes I did not put up my hand before I spoke, <laughs> and. It did not work out well for me because not every teacher was as inspirational as Robin Williams. Most of the yeah. times they just yelled or 
dragged my desk out into the hallway and yelled some more, sent me down to the principal's office, or gave me detention and made me memorize poetry. You know, I never, I never understood why there were so many people in this movie even that hated kids so much and became teachers. Like it just seemed like every every teacher in this movie and a lot of teachers that we both had just hated kids. I was like, why would you choose a job? Have Were you, you met kids? They're terrible, <laughs> they're, but they're also freaking amazing. So, yeah. I, and I censored myself in case in case kids were watching just to hear what we thought about them. You said for one fucking second. amazing. I said freaking. Oh, but I, I also said, I said fucking. fucking. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, but then I grew up and I graduated university with an English degree and a drama degree, and teaching looked pretty good. And I think that like a lot of people that just liked English became teachers and hated kids. You right. Know? So I kind of understand it now. But the, you did so you didn't have an inspirational teacher you didn't have well after that so my mom went to the parent teacher conference yeah. and got in like a huge fucking fight with my teacher really yeah like your mom was like backing you up i or guess so that... <laughs> well it sounds like your mom was pretty cool that i point. just know that i was outside the door and i heard yelling <laughs> it sounded it was it was terrifying but then i yeah. got moved to uh, uh another class which was actually like a two three class but the teacher was really good and, you know, helped me sort of recognize my strengths. And that was where That's I started awesome. writing. That's and great. They assumed that I had ripped everything off, but never mind. <laughs> Just even my the best short teachers. story, The Wire was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long, long short story. I feel like that, Omar, will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> so Keating is kind of this, uh, you know, unorthodox teacher. Yeah. But he he's really trying to invest in these kids that they should sort of have like an individualistic sort of uh, outlook like all their parents want them to be doctors and lawyers oh, and man. bankers yeah their parents are like really fierce parents they really want these kids to be big yeah well i think like part of that was like of the time sure like now there are so many kids let them do whatever they want you know right, but, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah they're not going to make a living doing anything no no, no, no. there's going to be no job so if they say that they want to grow up and be a youtube celebrity you might as well say sure kid here's a do camera it. do it learn programming on the side just go out for to a, a japanese suicide forest oh jesus or don't because that's going to tank your, your no. youtube channel real fast go local <laughs> oh god yeah go in and around helton i think you might find some people Anyway, so Robin Williams was giving all these lessons, Keating, including the famous rip the first page out of the book. Yeah. Rip all the pages out of the book. <laughs> scene. Yeah. Excrement. That's what I think of Mr. J. Evans Pritchard. We're not laying pipe. We're talking about poetry. How can you describe poetry like American bandstand? Well, I like Byron. I give him a 42, but I can't <laughs> dance to him. Now, I want you to rip out that page. Go on. Rip out the entire page. You heard me. Rip it out. Rip it out. Go on. Rip it out. Thank you, Mr. Dalton. Gentlemen, tell you what, not just tear out that page, tear out the entire introduction. I want it gone. History. Leave nothing of it. Yeah, well, it's a pretty. I, I love that scene because he goes through the whole like doggerel of like writing the the guy's graph down of like mm-hmm. what makes a good poem and the math of it. I, I agree with Keating. Like, you know, poetry is just meant to be experienced. And, yeah, and that's that's nicer <laughs> than trying to like suppl- like apply this like rubric on it. But the kids do take a shining to him, and they sort of morph their study group after they find an old yearbook with oh, Robin man. Williams' picture in it. Yeah. And That's great. That happened in my in my, one of my high schools that I went to. You found Robin Williams' picture <laughs> in a yearbook? <laughs> no, no. But I found we found this uh, yearbook, and this guy was in it. He had a whole page spread. His name was Dexter Gaskin, which is like the best fucking name. He had so much style, so much swagger. He was such a cool guy, and we all like would dress, kind of try to dress like him and stuff. And he was very, very cool. And we didn't know he it was like from the from the seventies or whatever. And then he came to DJ a dance at the school, and we got to meet him. Got his, like, was autograph. he still cool? Or was it like that scene in Wayne's World where they meet the radio DJ and they're like, "Fucking, you look like that." <laughs> yeah. No, he still looked kind. Of, I mean, he looked. You know, he's he was older, but still cool. It was very cool to see someone that you like kind of idolized from a picture to like. You're going to you make know. a movie about him? <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll make a Dexter Glaskin. Dexter Glaskin. Glaskin. <laughs> 
yeah. So they they find that he was in the member of the Dead Poet Society. Yeah, right? and they want to know what that is. So he kind of tells them what it was. Yeah, and it, it's basically boys hanging out in the cave. <laughs> But, like, they don't like Batman. They don't know who Batman is yet, you know? They're yeah. just hanging out of a cave for no reason. Yeah. Just reading poetry. We're reading poetry. Well, that's nice, but uh, it's it is no crime solving. It is sort of nice. They have to sneak out in the middle of the night. They have to feed the dog uh, snacks. So they have to, you know, invest in escape every yeah. night. They go through the snow-covered fields uh, and the forests, and then they find this cave and they play saxophone, they drink, they smoke. They, they just read poetry. Well, they kind of do other stuff. They get into other stuff. Poetry is the gateway drug oh. to drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of emboldens all of them a little bit. Like, uh, you have, yeah. you have uh, the guy that's in love with Chris. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's Josh Charles from The Good Wife. <laughs> right. Yeah, Josh Charles. So I was he- so happy that he was in this because I loved him in The Good Wife. And, of course, he dies tragically. Spoiler for The Good Wife. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and uh, he was just so young and, you know, with like this, you know, snark. And Yeah, yeah. I like him. I, I like him in this movie, too. Except there's some there's some problematic stuff yeah. that we'll get into later. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, so his character, he goes to some dinner party of a friend of his family's. Yeah. And a girl answers the door and he, you know develops a mag crush on her. Yeah. And th- this part is entirely cringeworthy. <laughs> and but especially because... so if you've ever actually felt this way about somebody you've <laughs> never talked to in your life. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's only cringeworthy because we've been there and that sucks. Like that's why. Yeah. I but... mean, but the yeah, and I guess if you haven't even seen girls, it's probably pretty easy to like, hey, there's one. Her skin looks so shiny. <laughs> she has hair and a sweater. Yeah, it's well. Uh... Ethan Hawke has hair and a sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, well, it becomes like this whole thing. Like you know, we've seen it like a million times in movies where he's like, "I've got to have her," and it hurts so much that I can't see her. And he eventually sort of gets up the courage to call her, and she invites against all expectations. <laughs> She invites him to a party. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the guys are like, she's not inviting you, inviting you. She's just inviting you. She has a boyfriend. She's inviting you to her boyfriend's party. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. And it's like, this part's like really hard to watch because I'm just like, dude, don't do it. Don't go to the the party. Don't go to the Should we talk about the party after the break? We can come back and talk about the the awfulness. Let's talk about the party after the break. (laughs) Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We're back. This is Rewatchability. We're talking about the Dead Poets Society. <laughs> like, Gather like, ye rosebuds like, while ye may. Like the exclamation mark is right after that title. <laughs> the Dead Poets Society. Can you imagine if like Gilbert Godfrey was a member? Yeah. It's the Dead Poets Society. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, hand me one more cigarette. You've had five, Gilbert. Stop it. You're going to ruin your voice. That'd be pretty crappy, though. Like You have like this beautiful poem. And yeah. like you want maybe like Gilbert Gottfried's a nice guy. You want to include him, right? Yeah, he just yeah. Ah. He's like, I'll read your poem. No, 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 not this time. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not. Maybe yeah. pass on Gilbert. So Knox Overstreet is his name, I think. Right? Yeah, I think he's named after like a Christmas candy variety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's named after a bridge. I don't know what like Overstreet. What is that? Yeah, I think uh, it's just one of those like money names. Sure. Like Knox, yeah. like you yeah. know, Fort Knox. Right, yeah. Knox, Over Street. Knox like, money bags. He's not on the street. Knox dollar sign. Yeah. But he, so he goes to this party and he, 
you know, he, he sort of sees the girl, but, she, you know, she's hosting this party, so she doesn't really oh. talk to him. And I love that scene where he's, like, at the party and he's just looking long at her, and then it's slow, the camera slowly pulls back to two making-out teens right in front of him. He's just, like, in hell. Yeah. It's so great. And yeah. he, he leaves the party because it's not – it's not – well, he, he, like, goes away for a bit. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's not having a good time. And then he finally sees her kind of at the end of the night. Yeah, and this is where it gets bad. Yeah. Because she is passed out. And he uh, and... and he has the word seize in his head, which is not good. Seize, yeah, oh my God. That like totally like taints the whole message of this movie. I know. Like Robin Williams is just like, if you see an unconscious girl. <laughs> no, no, no. He wasn't he like do that. that. He wouldn't. He's no. Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Robin Williams. But, but he, there, there is there is that kind of thread in the movie whether he is socrates whether he is tainting the youth of athens right right Um, yeah that's that's right and whether yeah whether he's like a good influence or a bad influence and in some ways like even in the ways that this movie portrays him to be a good influence he's we now look back on that being a bad influence like like this scene for example where yeah so like she's passed out all these like jockey guys who are like friends of his older brother or whatever are over yeah. there. One of them, for oh, they some got, reason, they got him really, really drunk. Yes, yeah. One of them for some reason looks like Ontario Premier Doug Ford. <laughs> now I know you remember our crack mayor Rob Ford. That guy was so incompetent. We decided to give his brother a bigger job. <laughs> <laughs> so Tiff is this uh, is happening right now? Toronto International Film Festival. Yeah, and I was at the opening night screening for the movie, and the minister of tourism and I don't know lifestyle or something. Is she a magazine? I don't know. She came out and she was like, on behalf of Doug Ford, and everyone went boo, and then like <laughs> they stifled them because they realized they were at a gala event, and then everyone like rippled through the theater being like like it was so great it was just so great because like ah i don't know i feel like so many people i mean obviously elected him it's kind of like if sarah huckabee sanders came out at the beginning of a film at tribeca (laughs) and was like president trump couldn't be here today yeah we're like what are you doing like get out of here he hates he said he hates us so much room The room says you suck. Yeah. She's like, we need arts. Like, we need people that are pushing forward the boundaries, except in sex ed, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's just like everyone is just like <laughs> losing their minds about it. Yeah, well, Doug Ford's rolling back the sex ed curriculum, so we won't talk about consent anymore. But <laughs> no. taking it back to this scene. But, but we but we have this movie to teach us about consent. Oh, no. <laughs> taking it back to the scene, Josh Charles has this this girl is passed out and he first he like you know runs his fingers through her hair right. and then he kisses her yeah on the forehead on the f- yeah it's, i don't know why i'm making that distinction it's still fucking creepy still bad yeah and over across the room Doug Ford looking motherfucker oh he has and the eagle other eyes. jocks are like what the fuck <laughs> and i'm like yes thank you and then the boyfriend comes out and he's like what the fuck's going on and then he punches josh charles in the face i'm like yes good boyfriend (laughs) and then and then the chris she goes don't beat him up yeah i mean yeah i mean she should i mean which is great because no one wants violence and you shouldn't treat anything with violence that's fair but she doesn't i mean either she doesn't know what happened or i guess like in the world that this took place in, which is ours just a few years ago. <laughs> the fictional 1950s, yeah. You know, she was just like, that's hardly a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of, well, the, it kind of reminded me of Revenge of the Nerds when we yeah. did that. And it was like, I kind of like the jocks more, like the nerds are being the worst. Yeah. And the jocks are like being pretty bad, but they're not being all rapey and stuff. Not being, in this movie. Yeah, and and then I, I found out that the director was supposed to, of the Revenge of the Nerds was supposed to direct this. He was one of the first directors attached. Before What's that guy's name? Paul, Peter, something. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you you know one of the one of the guys from the Gospels. And Meeks looks a lot like Poindexter. Mm, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So meanwhile, while this is happening, the boys are having their dead poet society in the cave, and they yeah. invite a couple of ladies along. Yeah. Now, so far, the dead poet society has mostly been reading poetry off of the back of centerfolds. <laughs> But now they have to get more lofty. So in order to impress these girls, they, as any gentleman would, 
They read somebody else's poetry and claim it as their own. Definitely. You know? Perfect. Classic. My, uh, my, in that same school where we saw the guy's yearbook po- photo, my friend for a poetry assignment just read Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. I hurt myself today. Yeah. To see if I still feel. <laughs> yeah, it was like a coffee house. But the teacher was like, try to focus <laughs> on the pain. The teacher was like, come see me at the end of class. And everyone was like, they're going to think you're suicidal. <laughs> Go read that. <laughs> and then at the end of class, she was just like, that's a beautiful poem. And that deserves to be something big. <laughs> it was like, it is. It is something big. Don't worry. But it's nice that she could spot it. It's yeah. Nice she, she should look up Nine Inch Nails. I would like to see like that play further. And she's like, oh, I'll submit this to a poetry competition. <laughs> and then he has to read it on stage in front of a whole bunch of people, including Johnny Cash. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't really know the song either. But Trent Reznor's there, and he definitely knows the song. And Trent Reznor's just, like, so high on heroin, he's like, that was a great poem. <laughs> no, now he's composing stuff for Aaron Sorkin movies. Yeah, it's true. He's good. He's all right. Yeah, so they kind of recite poetry. They steal it. They yeah. get these girls kind of on side. There's other guys that are kind of, I don't know. Like, I, this is where I think that, like, some of these kids are like have, have different sexual compasses than other kids in this in this. See, because it's uh, called the penis. <laughs> it always points true north, which makes sex very difficult. Um, no, we're not, not alive. You lie yourself to the magnetic poles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thought I was facing north. No, we're up north. It's to Baffin Island. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. So like, Nawanda is an interesting case because like, oh he, yes. he's the person that like kind of like brings the girls in, but is kind of wooing them, but on, kind of a sport. It doesn't seem very interested in in girls, and is and is kind of. Uh, he's one of my favorite characters because he's the one that like does the prank call. Right. Uh, yeah. He says he decides he tells them at this meeting that he's written uh, an op-ed in the student newspaper. Yeah. Saying that girls should be allowed to attend Halton High or whatever. Which it I is. love. That's great. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think he was doing it for equality. He just wanted to get laid. Yeah. Yeah. Or did he? I think maybe he was like putting it on. on you think it was both? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he said it to impress the girls. I don't yeah. even, I, I don't even know if at that point he had written the op-ed. <laughs> I think he wrote it after. It's like, now I have just, to follow through. Yeah, also, just I think done. one of those girls might be Laura Flynn Boyle because she's in this movie somewhere and there is only like two girls and one of them's the fucking <laughs> one she has, the guy has a crush on. Yeah. Well, there is uh, one of the girls at the end of the play. I think it might be oh, her. Yeah, yeah uh, the one that talks to Puck. Uh, but yeah, so he then gets caught. It's, it's so funny. He's like, "No one's gonna catch us." And then the next scene is a flood of teachers going down the stairs, like all humming and hawing. And I love that cut. And I thought it was really well, uh, well done by Peter Weir. It was very funny. But they sort of like make it work without any consequences. But like they expect Robin Williams to sort of support them, and he's like, "No." <laughs> no. no, no, you guys, you guys are on your own. I'm, you got you to gotta know when to hold them and when to fold them. Yeah, you know poetry, poetry, John po- Keating, poetry that was around in the 1950s. You know, <laughs> there are some anachronisms in this movie like that. Like uh, there's a 1970s song that they kind of sing in the in the cave. What? Uh, yeah, so that's fucked. <laughs> oh, but a lot of the stuff in the cave. We got to talk about the cave because, like, first of all, the Nawanda thing seems like maybe it's racist. <laughs> uh maybe yeah it definitely i mean it's definitely kind of uh, uh yeah. co- co-opting the yeah. the my african name kind of thing but for also sure. there's a point where they are essentially like and making fun of it speak rapping a poem about meeting people in africa like a colonialist poem right that part is also not great yeah yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of music's music's weird. Like just like using like rapping in the 1950s is weird because there was no rap back then, yeah. and so that's an anachronism. And even if it was, well, they invented it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a dead poet society. Right. Yeah. Great yeah. rap group name. It was it was pretty good. Like dead presidents. Yeah. Busta T was a member. <laughs> he was in the back. You couldn't uh, see him. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, yeah, that's, that's also problematic. Why'd yeah. they do that for this movie? <laughs> but but yeah, I think I don't know. Music's kind of. Uh, I'm not even gonna go there. Uh, well, I mean, okay. We haven't talked about the elephant in the room. There's an elephant in the room. Yeah. 
Do you like poetry? <laughs> do, you, do you do that shit? Is poetry good? I don't know. I don't poem poems. I don't you know. you have a don't you have like a master's in in like poems? No, no, no. <laughs> a master's in drama. Uh, okay, but oh. a lot of a lot of drama is, is poems. But do you, I don't know poems, poetry. Like I've never really. There's never been anything that. I've really has really spoken to me in the way that other literature has. And as for like writing poetry, there's the old stuff that rhymes and has like the meter and verse, which I always thought was lame and uh, boring. And then there's like the new stuff where there's no rules, everything's out the window, and I don't know what the fuck to do with that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, so in my master's I um, did poetry too. Uh, for my creative writing, you didn't um, do poetry one first. <laughs> no, I was I was so good. I just skipped the poetry. <laughs> wow. Too. No, I wasn't. That's the thing. I was not great at poetry, and the poetry teacher, who's a really really great poet, she was like, "What's her name? Her name is Dion Brand. Oh, okay. uh, she was Toronto Post Laureate, and she did this famous book called No No Language Is Neutral, which mm. is really cool. Uh, it's really what about great. Swiss? Uh, not even Swiss, man. Damn, that's that's pretty uh, yeah. provocative statement. <laughs> Speaking uh, truth to power. Yeah, now they're gonna come after me. <laughs> but yeah, so she, I like wrote all this poetry, and I did a whole poem book for my my thesis in that class, and it was little snippets of poetry, and then kind of people monologuing, like characters monologuing from the poems, mm-hmm. and it told kind of a story. And she was like, "This isn't a poem. This is just you trying to write." Like a piece of theater in, in like poem, t- like Ouch. words. Yeah, she was right. Was I, she? Yeah, no, totally. And so, why don't you recite a bit for us and we'll decide? <laughs> no, never. But the poets that I met in that, like, I love their poetry, and and I think there's, I really do love poetry. We're having poems at the wedding, you know. So really, yeah. So Robert Croach is one of my favorite poets of all time. Uh, he's a Canadian guy from from Calgary. Um, so yeah, there's, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good. I mean, in the fifties, like there seemed to be like a big thing about poetry. People fucking loved poetry yeah. in the fifties. Well, like, in the late sixties, early seventies, was like really good for poetry in Canada. Yeah, yeah. So, but now poetry, like, didn't like, it die? Yeah, and there's are no there such any thing. more poets? No, I think there's. I think there's like every poet has a day job. I think that's it. Like, there's no more poets for just being a poet. Right. You can't make a living off of it. So, like, the like, there's a there's an amazing poet in Guelph that's one of Canada's best poets. He's a butcher, you know. And like, there's everyone has a day job. But uh, I cut the flank steak. <laughs> I eat the flank steak. I cook. The, maybe I should put cook the flank steak between. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like editing Poetry on the fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sort of think that, like, I mean, right after this movie, like, I sort of think that music sort of overtook poetry because Mm. rock and roll or whatever sort of absorbed all the sort of lyrical ideas and everything of poetry well yeah and like leonard cohen was kind of on the cusp of that right because he started out as a poet and then became a musician even though he like couldn't he doesn't have the voice no and you could could argue that you know becoming a singer profaned his poetry and made it something commercial it sort of made it into like a song lyric i i I like leonard cohen's poetry a lot but it's also like yeah like where does the poetry end and like the song begin or is there a difference or Mm -hmm. or what yeah and, and i think a lot of um a lot of love songs nowadays are just the same thing over and over again which maybe that's just a result of like us being older and having heard a lot of them but it always it always seems like the 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 drive of poetry is to find a way to express something that uh, that is universal in a new way. Yeah. So let's get back to the movie. Uh, these, these kids... Let's just read some poems. <laughs> no. So the thing that sort of brings about, like, the main thing of this movie is that Neil, played by Robert Sean Leonard, he sees, like, uh, a notice for an audition for a play for Midsummer yeah. Night's Dream, and he decides that, you know, sort of inspired by Keating's sort of message, sees the day and, you mm-hmm. know, look at things from a different perspective and everything. He decides that he's going to try out for this play. Almost immediately, his roommate, Ethan Hawke, is like, your dad's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, I just talked to your dad. He's going to he's gonna kill you. Because even at the beginning, like, like 
one of the first scenes we see him come into the room and tell him, "Hey, you've got a drop doing the yearbook." Oh, it's the worst helicopter parenting is awful. Yeah, yeah, and that's hard to watch. I hate, I hate the scenes with him and his father. Father, Neil. Before you say anything, please don't let you me dare talk back to me. It's bad enough that you've wasted your time with this this absurd acting business. But you deliberately deceived me. How, how, how did you expect to get away with this? Answer me. Who put you up to it? Was it this new man, this uh, Mr. Keating? No. Nobody. I just want to take red by the face and just yell at him until I'm red in the face. Wow. Yeah, that's poetry. That's good. That's good. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, he's just... He's such he had a, a second chance with Eric. He's, <laughs> did he use it well? Did he use it well? He's yeah. alive, I think. He, he's such a great villain in this movie. He's so good. He's better as a villain in RoboCop, but yeah, he's second True. to this. Second to RoboCop. Want to fly, Bobby? <laughs> Want to fly, Neil? What? <laughs> At least he didn't... Yeah. <laughs> just throw his son off a balcony? <laughs> yeah. But so he's going to hide the performance from his dad... And just like, you know, lie to him. But Keaton convinced him that he has to tell him. Yeah. And, you know. Which is touching, which is nice. Yeah. And he does. And it uh, doesn't, you know. He lets him do the play, but he's yeah, well, not happy. No, he uh, he doesn't let him do the play because he lies to his dad. Oh, he, right. Yeah. And then he lies to Keating saying it's everything's going to be all right. right. And it's the worst. He's, he's, the, he's the worst liar. He's not a good actor as a liar. As a liar. Oh, you mean he's not a good actor as an actor? Uh, yeah, exactly. Like he's not like that character isn't a good actor. I think that kid is a great actor that that plays that yeah. uh, that role. I think he did really well. But he's so clearly lying to Keating, and Keating's like just eating it up and like, oh, that's really great. That's I mean, that's a total one eighty for your dad. It sounds out of character for him, but uh, I'll believe you <laughs> with your shifty eyes and your Red? rearranging your textbooks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and he's also kind of a bad actor in the play too. I mean, yeah. it is like a high school Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, that's why. I lo- that's why I kind of love it because it is that do or die mentality for these kids. And I remember that from high school. Like, yeah. it's it's the Romeo and Juliet when like you're like you're 13. Why are you so in love with this person? Like, you don't know anything. Yeah. Like, why would you sacrifice your love your your life for them? Uh, but it's when you're in high school, it feels that dire. Yeah. And so that's what I love about this movie. It kind of brings that in there yeah. and, and makes you kind of feel that again. And all of his friends are like, you are great. You really got something. You're yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then his dad is like, Neil, get in the car. Yeah. Uh, and then yells at Keating, being like, stay away from my son. And then he's going to send him to Colonel Oates Military Academy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Unless he had a time machine. Then he could go <laughs> back. Yeah. And and it's it's pretty it's pretty bad this is like the the dark night of the soul moment of the whole movie where he takes his puck crown and he puts it on the windowsill oh my god like it's hard to watch it is hard to watch oh my god and like (laughs) i mean it's amazing though because i think we do see like the contrast between like the boy who's playing like you know and like in a way like they film him being like a man and making his own decisions even yeah. if they're tragic ones well and and it's the direction is so good in this scene and in the prior scene where his dad is at the back of the audience watching him and he sees his dad and he's goes to bow uh, oh and he does the he does the like if this if these scenes half doth yeah, offended you he's talking right to his dad it's so great ah, and then and then uh it's his, a play within a play <laughs> within a play and his dad's back there and the whole audience does a standing ovation to to eclipse his dad so for a second, his dad is eclipsed by the adulation of ah, the audience. Beautiful. And it's a beautiful directing moment. And then the people like kind of move to the side a little bit and you see his dad kind of peeking through the heads of the crowd. Like even even that he can't fully enjoy because his dad is still there in the background yeah. lurking there. And that's like – I think that's the moment where he decides like right there because he's never he's never going to be free of that like horrible like gaze at the back that his dad's just like staring at him. Never gonna let him down. Yeah, and, and the gun smoke in the room when he, oh my god, his dad comes in. Please and tell me there's not that much smoke. <laughs> there's there's smoke. That much? There, it's hanging in the air. For real? I don't know. I don't, I've never fired a gun. So it seemed know. like it seemed like crazy amounts of smoke. Well, it, it it seemed like he was having a cigarette down there. <laughs> 
<laughs> Neil? Are you smoking? Just, uh, yeah. Oh, Neil! <laughs> your lungs! Your precious lungs! <laughs> Is she all right? Oh, he's all right! Oh, oh no, God. he's smoking. He's giving up his future. That was... He's gonna get... Emphysema. That was so. That was so terrifying too. When the mom was just like, "He's all right. He's all right. He's all right." Just repeating it over and, and over again. Then, he, then Red's like, "Nah, Kitty." <laughs> His mom's not Kitty, but nah, kind of is. Shut up, Kitty. Shut up. He tells oh her to God. shut up like over and over again. It's just the worst. Like their whole lives are falling apart. That's character. Like the character of the dad isn't given like a lot to do in the movie because we only really see him like in like a in a brief scene where he's like talking to the dean in the scene where he tells his son that he's got to drop the yearbook and in like the final play sort of sequence. Yeah, but like his performance, like he's great. Oh, it's devastating. And like the way that they, I mean. I think any most directors would not show that much where like the guy comes in to the you know they show him like opening the door of the office and then it'd be yeah. like oh my god but yeah. he like comes in he like goes around the desk it's fucking it's hard yeah well and it's and it's one of those things where like the you see him through a slit in the door so it's like he's he's the farthest away from the sun that he's ever been he's like it's just great direction all around i think peter is amazing and he does so much just with the scenery and the actors yeah um, yeah without and, like ham-fisting the theme yeah and then the whole thing is that they sort of blame robin williams's character and yeah. try to sort of force i mean they do force him out yeah um, and, and the kids stand on the desk because of that previous scene where where he's like he gets ethan hawk he really breaks through ethan hawk in that scene sweaty toothed madman you know yeah the one where he like makes ethan hawk improvise the that poetry yeah which is great and he's and he's like getting on the desk and showing people and everyone gets up on their desk to see the light uh you know to, to well to, to see the light to see the the world in new light yeah and i kind of liked i liked how the ending in a worse movie, they would have like rallied and saved their teacher's job and been heroes. Yeah, Revenge of the Nerds. This is yeah. It's like they're gonna win because they're gonna win the whole competition or they're gonna win this case. Yeah, and but this note is just like a bittersweet sort of like something. Yeah, I just yeah. It's it's so great that all the kids sign the contract too because the 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 bad teacher. I was trying to, like, the dean or whatever is getting all the kids to sign this thing saying that Keating kind of poisoned right. them, right? Yeah, he poisoned their them, mind. He makes them, like, he makes the kids, like, essentially, like, rat them out. Yeah. And, like, I guess uh, the one kid doesn't and gets expelled. Uh, no, Nwanda? He, he, I think he does, but gets expelled anyway. Oh. And because there's all the signatures, there's only one signature missing, and that's uh, Ethan Hawke's signature. Huh. And he signs it off off camera, and then he goes, they made us sign it, they made us sign it. And that's so heartbreaking because... In a way, it's it's like they broke us. Like you taught you taught us to be different. You taught us to be nonconformists. You taught us to question authority, and we still didn't. Like we still did the thing they're not, not supposed to do. But just thinking about that now, it's kind of they should have done it. And I think with Robin Williams, he he would have told them to do it. Yeah, because he's like. You need your education. You need to be here. And if you need to sacrifice me, that's fine. It's like the, the don't don't make prank phone calls to the dean from God trying to get girls into Helton Academy. Don't do that. Like, be smart about your nonconformity. So I think it's it's just a there's there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of nice nice yeah. things going on. What did you think about the performances? Like, those are pretty young kids. I think this was like Ethan Hawke's second role after Explorers, maybe. Yeah. Ethan Hawke, I thought, did pretty well. There's, like, he went on the Graham Norton show and talked about how he tried to be, like, Method, and he read Stanislavski and Uta Hagen and all this stuff, and he was trying to be, like, a serious actor because he was a kid and he wanted to prove himself, and Robin Williams just tried to make him laugh the entire time, and he wouldn't laugh. He, like, refused to laugh, and that <laughs> he was like, and that made Robin Williams drip. more insane. <laughs> he was like, he just kept on trying. So he thought he thought that Robin Williams hated him, and then he was in school one day and the principal came in and was like, we need to talk. And uh, he was like, uh, Robin Williams phoned and he told his agent to pick you up as a, as a actor. So he got, he got Robin Williams gave Ethan Hawke his first agent. Oh, that's really nice. He like started his career kind of thing in in earnest. So that's pretty cool. I think Ethan Hawke did a great job. I have no problems with Ethan Hawke. I thought he did. 
he, I thought he was perfect for what he was supposed to do. Now, do you have a problem with Ethan Hawke since he hates superhero movies? <laughs> no, I'm with him. 100% <laughs> I'm with him. Like, they hate superhero movies, too. I, I mean, like Ethan Hawke, like, in general. I mean, yeah. I know that people have sort of, like, wavered on him, sort of, you know, he's, in a lot of places, he's not always, like, the best choice for the role in terms of, like, I'm going to disappear into a performance. Right. But I always like that he brings, like, an aspiration of, like, uh, literariness or, mm-hmm. you know, like, intelligence or, you know, he's always aspiring to make, like, a great piece of art, yeah. you know, with almost everything that he does. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know that he's ever blown me out of the water. No. Uh, but he – I don't – does everyone need to be blown away all the time? That's like this Jerry Seinfeld thing on that show. But I, I think like you could hand him any any character that kind of is within his wheelhouse and you'll be fine. You don't need to worry <laughs> about him. Any he's mumbly gonna, white dude? He's got that uh, yeah, down. He's, he's got it, man. <laughs> what about the other kids? I thought the only the only kind of – and this is sad, like m- mean to say about a kid's performance. But I think the only one was the kid that ratted him out the first – like that got punched in the face for ratting Keating out. Who was like yelling at him, like Neil? Like we have to, we had to do this kind of thing. So, oh, that guy. Yeah, you like that guy? I didn't like that guy so much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Meeks, I think his name was. Yeah, yeah, or, or one of them. Yeah, one of them. It Pitts matter. or something. Yeah, Pitts, Meeks, balls. Yeah, the guy that looked like everyone else in the movie. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, so I'd, I'd say that he's the only one. What about you? Did you like the performances? I did. I I thought like Ethan Hawke was good, and I also really liked Robert Sean Leonard's. I thought he was like really great, and like. Sometimes he has like this, like, like he's, you know how Jim Carrey kind of has like a boyish quality to him. Yeah, he has that same Jim Carrey boyish quality, but as a boy. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. (laughs) He has a boyish quality as a boy. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but he's uh, he's still an actor. He was in House. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, he's doing he's doing all right. And I think him and Ethan Hawke and uh, Uma Thurman did like this little movie together called Tape, which is like a a three hander shot in real time or something like that. Oh, right, kind of like a nod to Rope. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I. So I don't know. I thought this movie was is and will be rewatchable. I think it's I think it's got so much going for it. The message is great. And I think, like, whether we have a problem with, like, the wording of Seize the Day now, like, we can have a problem with anything. And that's what we do on this podcast sometimes. Yeah. But, like, it's a beautiful notion that people can be cynical about all they want. But at the end of the day, it's the, you know, you, you get to look back at that day and decide whether you did something with it. And I think... Um, whether you seized it. Exactly. Whether you, you took advantage of the day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just using problematic language all over the place. <laughs> but I, yeah, so I, I, I really love this movie. I continue to be inspired by it. I think I continue to find new things in the direction this time that I never noticed. Like really cool ways that he connected actors in a scene or disconnected them in a scene or made them diminutive or or large standing on desks standing on desks makes you bigger to be taller <laughs> at least three feet taller so i think it's just a beautiful movie and that peter weird does such a good job and i thought the script really didn't fall into a lot of the pitfalls that scripts that tried to be this afterwards right. did so it's it's weird. It's like someone ran through a maze and showed you how to get through that maze, and then other people tried to run through the same maze and like never did it. Yeah. So what what do you think? Do you think this is rewatchable? Yeah, I do. It, there are some things that do stand out about it. Like it is a period piece about the fifties, so like the lack of diversity is exactly what it's showing, right? You know. But at the same time, it's still like really. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't find some way, show some other part of the story, or I don't know. So it's just, yeah. you know. And then also, like, I do get a, a sense that, like, you know, this movie sort of glorifies, like, antics of, like, private school shits mm-hmm. who grow up and become, like, you know, Republicans or something. <laughs> like, yeah, and, like, even the message, like, Ro- like Robin Williams' message, it seems – it's fine in that context, but, like, it's easy to see how, taken to its extremes, it can cause trouble, like, the exact trouble that a lot of society has been dealing with for the last 50 years yeah. in, like, you know, 
men feeling like they're entitled to things well, yeah. or, you know, like that they deserve things because their parents were rich right, yeah. or that, you Nothing's know, owed to anyone. Yeah. yeah. Or that, like, these, like, small groups that we build for ourselves are more important than, like, society in general or something like that. Right. You know, skull and bones! <laughs> this is all skull and bones! It's all, it's all smoke and mirrors. But, skull and bones. <laughs> but I did think, like, it was rewatchable. And I did like seeing a movie about the friendship of young men and boys. I think that is nice. I wondered, we, we sort of hinted at like, there's like an undercurrent of homoeroticism. Sure. Yeah. And I wonder like whether that would be a little bit more blatant, but then also like, you know, it doesn't have to be there for it to be like a, a movie about boys bonding, you know? Yeah. Yo, yeah. I mean, that was kind of my pet peeve. Just because like, you want to see Ethan Hawke and Sean, Robert Le- Sean Leonard, whatever his name, kiss yeah. doesn't mean you can. That's slash. You can write friends. that. You can write that now. It's probably on the internet. I wrote somewhere. it. <laughs> I'm going to be reading it because it's in poetic verse. Nice. At yeah. Alton Halls, we first laid eyes. That was that roommates. Was... We were made. <laughs> that was one of my like pet peeves. On... Oh my god, the poetry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like that was one of my pet peeves in like my creative writing in in the university. Is that like I. I had really strong friendships when I was growing up and still do. And uh, whenever I'd write about them, they seem so familiar that everyone was like, oh, these guys are secretly gay. And I'd be right. like, no, they're not. And they're like, just make them gay. And I was like, but that's not the truth of the story. So it's kind of like my pet peeve of like any, any, any two men that show affection now, they must be gay because yeah. like that's masculinity now. Mm-hmm. Like it's so, it, masculinity is so tenuous that like dudes can't hug each other and like, and not be gay. True. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I'm glad you found Rewatchable. It's one of my faves. That's Rewatchability for this week. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and rate us and leave a little review if you'd like. Yeah, that that's so good when people do that. We really appreciate it. And it costs nothing. So if no. you can't give to our Patreon.com slash Rewatchability, then that is the best way to support us. It's really nice. And if you don't have anything nice to say, write a poem. <laughs> And uh, and Rob will critique it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You need more I am's. <laughs> That's poetry, right? Yeah, you don't know. What you no, don't. I don't no, know poetry. It's drama. Uh, you can also you can also find us on Facebook and follow us there. Like us on Twitter, and you can also buy a T-shirt at T Public slash Rewatchability, and then you can wear it to your class. And if you're in a private school, then you'll get in trouble. Yeah. You can wear it while you're reciting your love poem to the to the girl of your dreams. <laughs> or the guy of your dreams. Yeah. yeah. Or the podcast of your dreams. Yeah. In either way you cut it, it's going to be the most awkward moment of your life. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.